Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Join me as I seek out the small incremental changes being applied in other industries that we can learn from and that can be applied in healthcare. Can these changes bring immediate value, but also add up to the big improvements and revolution we need in healthcare? Come along with me to explore the possibilities. My innovative guests from around the globe have used small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. And today, as I am each and every month, I'm joined by Craig Joseph. He's the Chief Medical Officer at Nordic Consulting Partners, and we're talking this month's episode on September of News You Can Use. Craig, thanks for joining me. Uh, it's always a pleasure. I don't believe that for one second, but okay, I'll take that compliment for, for now. Thank you. Um, uh, but you, you told me I always have to say that. I'm confused now. <laughs> you mean for all the money that I pay you for doing this? Correct. <laughs> so uh, we're, as usual, we kick off with uh, COVID-19. We don't seem to have emerged, although I did see something just recently that talked about um, the uh, the end of the pandemic. That might have come from the WHO, but uh, given that we're talking about those folks, maybe the first thing to um, uh, talk about is the Lancet's publication, so it was a commission that always reminds me of uh, uh, royalty and royal commissions and stuff. So I'm not quite sure how the Lancet uh, comes to this commission, but uh, their review of COVID-19 and the worldwide response. And uh, I'm going to quote from their graphic, no less. Uh, Wait, before you let me just let me guess before you go. We period did period great period. <laughs> Un. Fortunately, not. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, it, it was, I, I, I want to say, I'm not sure that it was titled this. Um, it was just the Lancet Commission, but they actually produced an, uh, an infographic and it said, COVID-19 response, a massive global failure. And what did they come up with? Well, they did a comprehensive investigation analysis into the uh, covid responses worldwide um, and, you know, looked at practical steps to uh, control and understand uh, the pandemic, um, investments in strengthening uh, defense against uh, these infectious agents in countries, um, and, you know, looking at the multi multilateralism that, you know, tried to integrate the globe and get everybody to work together. Um, and, pretty much we failed across the world. No surprise there, I guess. Uh, well, I, sadly, um, sadly, no. Uh, one had hoped that maybe other countries had done uh, better than we had, and I think they have in, in certain areas. But, you know, looking at some of the key findings of this Lancet uh, uh, Commission, um, a big word that I see uh, over and over was uh, coordination or, or lack thereof. There, there are certainly here in the U.S., uh, we saw a significant lack of coordination between the federal government and the states, um, but also a, a failure to coordinate among all of the, the major countries of the world and couldn't really agree on definition. Um, the Lancet, the Lancet uh, um, thought that the World Health Organization was uh, too cautious and, and too slow at the very beginning to, to say how... how uh, serious this was and to really try to get everyone's attention by uh, jumping up and down on our on our chests which they which they uh, didn't do until until it was a 
it was clear that uh, that needed to happen. Yeah, I I do remember that point in time, and I I guess it's difficult to call that at the right moment. Maybe you know, with more insight, and obviously, I certainly didn't have the data. I was being fed what was you know delivered to uh, my screen, but my recollection of that was you know a certain amount of I don't want to say dismissiveness, but certainly not a, an attention to it that said, "Gosh, we should you know this is this is a serious event." It was well, there's something going on over there, but you know we, we've seen this before. Um, maybe not as serious. As you look around the world, I certainly have standouts in terms of response. And, you know, I'm not necessarily in favor of some of the responses. And, you know, some weren't practical. Let's pick New Zealand as an example um, and Australia, because they have very similar responses, but I wouldn't put them in the same category in terms of um, how well they did. What were your thoughts? Well, I think it's, you know, um, the more we learn, the seemingly the less we know sometimes. Um, I think it's confusing. It's it's confusing to look across the country and you see certain, uh, you see, again, I think it's it played out. Not, you, you don't really have to look outside the U.S. You have certain states that uh, were very aggressive and shutting down and, and doing other kinds of um, public health uh, interventions, just like you do certain countries that were very aggressive. Some of the countries are islands, and they're able to really control who comes in and, and who leaves. Um, and some of the data seem to indicate that uh, that uh, one group did better than the other. But there are always other ways of, of looking at some of those data points or different points altogether. So I think this is going to be we're we're continuing to learn, and and we've talked about this on this show before, where. Um, where initial people are accused of making up things when in fact it's just confusing and you're reacting to the data that you have in front of you. And I, I still think we're in it, right? We're not, I haven't really heard very many people say that this pandemic is, is behind us. Um, we hope it is. Um, uh, certainly we're much better prepared now than we were two years ago for, for anything. But do you, actually, um, do you actually think that's true? Because I'm not sure I believe that. Well, we are. We have medications. We have vaccines. Ah. Um, from that standpoint, we're better prepared. So we're better prepared for COVID, but not for the next thing. A hundred percent agree with you. Sadly, on that. <laughs> yeah, we're not prepared for the next thing, and and we're also potentially not that prepared for the next COVID thing, whatever that is. You know, one can imagine some sort of of strange mutation that um, that we're not really ready for. That instead of. Uh, um, the, the uh, minor uh, movements where eh, it doesn't the vaccine doesn't work as well, but it still functions at a, at a, a more basic level. Um, yeah, we're we're not, and I think monkeypox uh, showed us how how poorly prepared we were for the next for the next virus that uh, comes over and, and looks different and acts different, and to which most of us have never been exposed. So we we're humans don't seem to learn lessons very quickly. Um, and sometimes not not at all. And uh, yeah, certainly we're, we don't seem to want to put the money or the time or the investment into uh, public health. Uh, and so what, when will the next pandemic come? Um, and, and will it be you know, 10 years from now or a, a century from now or, or next week? We don't know. Um, but I don't think that we've written the final word on 
on COVID and we'll certainly be learning uh, lessons, especially from long COVID, I think, um, in the decades to come. Yeah, so I, one of the things you brought out, and I think it, it, you know, it's tied to me in the public health. So the, the foundation of this, if we were to to really learn from the experience and try and turn this into a, a positive experience for the future and say, this is how we might respond in the future, it was coordination. And the coordination in my mind would be founded on data and open data sharing, which we, I think, did not see. Um, certainly across states even, I'm not sure, not internationally. I think we saw that sort of wide variation. There was a flip. I don't know if you recall this. I'm, it was brought home to me because I had a friend who drove from New York down to Florida in the very early days. And this was the time when New York had very bad outbreaks and Florida had instituted border entry requirements and giving all people that crossed into Florida uh, a requirement to go into quarantine, to sign off that they would go into quarantine. <laughs> and as I think about how things developed into the future, it was kind of ironic that that was the case. And maybe that would have happened the other way around, but it certainly didn't. We um, We sort of struggle with that. But I would say that let's focus on the data and actually the sharing of that, open sharing for the benefit of everybody. Do you think that's possible or are we just too politicized, too international challenged to be able to achieve that? Well, um, I, I suspect it's it's never, uh, uh, let's see, you asked a very nuanced question, so let me give you a nuanced answer. No, no, <laughs> I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible because um, because of the way we react, right? So how do we react uh, when we find out that there's a, a novel virus in China, right? We shut down our borders with China, as does everyone else. And, and um, that's that, that first instinct, which I, I fully understand and probably will support the next time it happens, um, that, that, that incentivizes uh, countries, be it China or the US or any other country, to, to minimize, right? Why would we want to tell you exactly what's going on if it's not good when um, the reward for being transparent is uh, punishment? Uh, the, the reward is, uh, is a lack of trade and, and lots of other problems that happen. And so, so there are disincentives to sharing data, uh, especially at the beginning. And, and we really have to overcome those either by um, making sure that we, we go out of our way not to, um, not to punish people for doing, or countries for doing what we want them to do, or making it so it's very difficult to do. Uh, so if you, had, if you had monitors, or if you had other sorts of international um, uh, equipment that, that couldn't, be, uh, couldn't be suppressed or, or messed with, uh, perhaps something like that would also help. But boy, oh boy, when, when the incentives are to, to not share, um, it's not shocking that we don't share. Yeah, I, I think important point, and you know, it, it reminds me of our conversation about the nurse that was prosecuted, um, you know, for the the error uh, that was made in the drug uh, that was given to the patient, and you know, specifically around errors when you go after people, 
you you lose the trust element and people start reporting, which you know was the reason that the airline industry really tried to focus on root cause analysis without apportioning blame, um, I, I, albeit imperfectly. Um, for those of you just joining, I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Craig Joseph, the Chief Medical Officer at Nordic Consulting Partners. Uh, we're covering September's news you can use. We were just talking about the Lancet Commission. It's damning uh, report, unfortunately, and um, uh, thankfully, Craig gave us a nuanced uh, response to uh, that particular question. As we think about, you know, moving forward, we're still in uh, an era of uh, dealing with COVID, uh, or at least that virus. Um, ha have you had your booster yet? Uh, or I, well, let's booster uh, booster. Boost, I, I'm not even sure how to to describe this, but I think there is a new round of. Uh, vaccination that's available. People are talking about it, the bivalent. Um, have you had yours? I have not had my bivalent yet. Um, I've had I've had four, you know, it is very confusing uh, talking about boosters. So I've I've decided I'm just going to tell you how many I've had. So I've had four, uh, but I have not had the bivalent one just yet. Um, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm well on my way. I just haven't gotten around to it. Of course, there's the controversy about the flu vaccine as well. I'm not sure it's a controversy whether you should get it at the same time. Where do you where do you stand? Have you have you had the vaccines yet? Yeah. So um, I, I, uh, I as I think I shared, I um, endured a, a bout of this, and um, I'm pretty hot on this in terms of getting covered. Uh, I, I do recognize that there is some timing because. There is some drop off in terms of the immunity. So, you know, whether you get it too early, this has also been true of the um, flu vaccine, but there's also just a pure function. And I happen to be scheduled for my booster booster. I think that would have been number four for me. Literally, uh, I got COVID three days before I was scheduled for it. So I guess I'm a little bit ahead of the curve and I did have it this week. And um, I, uh, since I have two arms, um, uh, I had both. I had my flu vaccine and my COVID-19 uh, COVID bivalent uh, jab and, you know, one on each side. And for me, it was uh, entirely unproblematic. I had a little bit of a sore arm, nothing else to speak of. And um, did you get, did you have uh, two people give you shots at the exact same time? I've, I've seen pictures of those. That's what I would have wanted. But I suspect you didn't, you didn't uh, get that. No. And, you know, so here's the interesting thing about vaccination. And I, I typically we go as a family, you know, it's, uh, a, 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 you know, a family that vaccinates together stays together. I, I, I don't know if that's true, but um, I, for me, it's a little bit of a pulling um, not that there's a lack of willingness uh, to, to get vaccinated. It's just it's a very unpleasant experience. I think especially for women who have less flesh and musculature. So getting a vaccine can be a little bit harder. And in fact, my wife has had some pretty miserable experiences. I, I know some of these folks have hit bone, which is entirely inappropriate. I just have to tell you. Um, but we actually had a very good, very um, adept individual. Um, and uh, he, he, I have to say, I've had lots of these. I, 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 I probably had, I counted it up. Somebody challenged me and said, you know, that's just not possible. But I, I'd had 
many, many vaccinations by the time I'd hit, you know, six or seven, because I lived overseas. I had to have yellow fever all the time because uh, we lived in yellow fever endemic areas. Um, and this particular individual um, was outstanding. He, I, I didn't even feel the needle go in and I didn't feel the distribution sometimes you get a stinging um it was a, a, a out and out hands down one of the best experiences and that's a function of the operator um i know i've seen a few robots doing this i'm not sure i'd be too excited about an arnie schwarzenegger look at like coming at me with the needle quite yet but i have seen them where they wow. pin you down because they don't want you to move when this thing swings into action now you now I'm, I'm picturing Arnold uh, coming at me with a uh, a syringe and a needle and uh, you said you don't, you didn't want an Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, look like but I don't think I want Arnold Schwarzenegger himself either uh, coming at me with a, with a needle and syringe so uh, so which one was uh, more um, painful the next day uh, uh, so only one I had pain in and that was the bivalent and it was very mild uh, for me. The flu was, uh, I, I didn't even feel any pain um, and had almost, I, I would say I had no symptoms. My wife had a little bit. She had, you know, some clearly her immune system reacting. And as I said to her, I felt like I got COVID worse than she did. So I think my immune system said, seen this before. No problem. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I, I think that's, you know, I think it's good advice. Um, it will be interesting to see who uh, or how the pickup is in the United States for both the booster and, and for the flu shot. Um, there have been some predictions that this is going to be a pretty severe flu season based on how it happened in the Southern Hemisphere. They, mm. they, uh, they go before us. And, um, and so if we, if, if we can take what happened in the in the southern hemisphere uh, to be predictive of what's going to happen in the northern hemisphere, there are going to be a lot of sick people and uh, from the flu. Forget about COVID, just strictly from the flu. So um, I certainly I'm gonna, will be. I'm, I'm going to counter that and say, please, we go, we go before them. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. Since we are. Since in the north, uh, North America is, as we all know, on top of the world. But it's um, the center of the universe. When you, when you look at the globe, clearly North America is on top, and and South America is below. So you're right. Um, <laughs> uh, we do go first, and I I clearly misspoke and uh, apologize for that. No, no, no. I, I I'm teasing. <laughs> One year I was down uh, down in Australia, and I decided to get my flu vaccination whilst I was there because they were at the tail end um, and I got whatever it was that they were offering. I, I, Some of my colleagues from medical school actually uh, live and work there and I got one of them to, you know, sign off and get me vaccinated. I, I don't remember how it worked out. I mean, for the most part, I, I've, I didn't when I was in my sort of, you know, relative youth, but I, I've been pretty consistent. I think it's just smart. I'd rather not get the uh, sickness, quite honestly. So, I hope people do, but uh, I'm not encouraged with the way that things are. But uh, I certainly did, and I know uh, you obviously will. So I, I will, and we should remind we should remind everyone that uh, just like the COVID shot, just with the flu shot, the goal is not to prevent illness. That would be nice, and that sometimes happens. The goal is to prevent serious 
repercussions from the illness. So the goal is that not necessarily that you won't get the flu, but if you do get the flu, your chances of ending up in the emergency department or at the hospital or in the ICU are much less. And uh, much like the, it's the same with COVID. So again, um, uh, people should go in with the uh, understanding that and then their expectations are, are appropriately set. Yeah, we were a little bit spoiled with the COVID vaccines. I think we saw some incredible rates. And I've seen a lot of uh, um, interest in some of the output of uh, possible vaccines using that particular platform that I think will be uh, much improved, including, I think, uh, some early work on the malaria vaccine, which, you know, that would be astounding because that still kills about 4 million people a year Mm. uh, worldwide. So, um, so uh, in the news, I think uh, CVS um, uh, brought, uh, bought uh, Signify, I think, Signify Health, uh, which is, you know, uh, uh, clinicians that provide in-person evaluations. Um, the article I read said uh, CVS is bringing back uh, physician house calls, which you know, what's old is new. I, I've long been a believer that, uh, you know, there's tremendous value in that. You think that's a, a, a realistic economic uh, potential opportunity? I think it's, um, first of all, I would agree with you on, on what you just said uh, in terms of the uh, the benefits. And I think we've seen some of those benefits even virtually, right? So the, the opportunity for physicians to see in your house, <laughs> see what's behind you. Um, see how you're interacting with the people that are around you um, outside of their office um, is is exceedingly helpful. So, so uh, um, house calls would benefit. You get a, you'd be able to see their house and, and uh, some of the uh, uh, some un- gain some understanding to how they live. But you would also be able to physically examine them, which you you can't do on a virtual uh, visit. So, so huge benefits. Is it going to be something that uh, we see commonly? I still suspect not um, because it's going to be very expensive to send physicians, physicians out to the house. Now, to send physician extenders, to send nurses and and others who are specially trained um, uh, to kind of do most of that reconnaissance work and then um, potentially bring in some physicians or more likely refer you to where the physicians are, often in their hospital or in their clinics. Um, that seems to be a big, uh, lots of potential there. And I, I don't think this is anything that has never been tried before. I think it's, it's much more common in Europe. Um, I've, I've, seen, I've seen videos of, of, uh, of nurses uh, going out in England and um, you know, routinely kind of doing assessments that uh, in the U.S., we make people come in for so, so certainly we're not uh, breaking any new ground here. But I, I do think it's exciting. Uh, um, and again, as as things change, uh, the more they change, the more they they stay the same. Um, who would have thought that a drugstore chain would be interested in coming to your house with a doctor or a nurse like that? That is pretty. Um, uh, I think ten years ago that would have been fairly shocking. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've always been a big fan of the home home visit. Um, you know, I grew up in a country that had it. My brother was a GP. He was doing home visits right up until the point that he retired. Maybe not as many, but it was a, a fundamental part of his daily practice. He would get a list at the end of running surgery, as they called it. It wasn't surgery, but that's how they referred to, you know, the ap- appointments. 
and then he would uh, go out on his rounds visiting, and indeed there were probably regulars. And in fact, my wife uh, was a, a nurse midwife health visitor, and she was part of the community system at one point. Um, uh, for for every mother that has a baby, had a baby, I don't know that this is still true. I think we've lost a lot of this. They would receive a community midwife visit daily for the first 14 days. And, you know, that might sound excessive, but you know what? That is such a stressful time. Even uh, uh, a husband and wife like us, physician, nurse, midwife, health visitor, we felt incredibly inept when that first baby arrived, despite knowing all the things that we did scientifically seemed to have no contribution. It was a huge positive. And, and I think, you know, your point is exactly right. Seeing that setting, even virtualized, I think has tremendous value. And um, I hope we see a big return of that. I really do. But um, uh, the economics of it have to be worked out. So maybe it's that physician extenders, but hooray for that. Unfortunately, as we do each week, uh, we've run out of time. So just remains for me to thank you uh, for joining me on the show. Uh, as usual, Craig, thanks for joining me. It's been fun. Can't wait till next month. Thanks for joining me today. Do you have any better ideas or have you found a small incremental change that's brought about a big improvement in your world? Let's continue the conversation on our hashtag, The Incrementalist, or share with me at Dr. Nick One on Twitter. You can find more information about the show on our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. And tune in next time to hear my discussions with leaders and innovators from around the globe who've revolutionized their space by using small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist, and I'm starting a revolution through evolution. 